Hi, you're listening to Apparently Not, the parenting podcast that tells it as it is, not as it apparently should be. I'm Amy. I have a cheeky one-year-old who's just learned to walk, and I work full-time as a lawyer, so currently that's all from home. And I'm Angela. I'm a doctor currently on maternity leave, and my little rugrat Gabby has just grown her first tooth. And this week we're discussing breastfeeding again. So last time we talked about how we each started our breastfeeding journeys and they were bumpy starts to say the least. This episode, however, we're going to talk about the rest of the journey. Schedules, pumping, positions, biting, blood ducts, all the fun and games. But first, let's start with some parenting highs and lows from this week. Anything worth sharing, Angela? Um, well, this week, Gabby has decided that she's going to start waking up at five o'clock. That's her new, that's her new thing. I know. I think it's because in Australia, we're in Australia, um, the sun, because we're heading into summer, the sun is starting to rise very early and where we are, we don't have daylight savings. So the sun hits the windows at 4.30, five o'clock in the morning as she's up. And she's learning how to roll. So if you watch her on the video monitor, you can see her doing like these little baby planks <laughs> in, in her bed at five o'clock in the morning. Oh, she's getting her, you know, early morning gym session in. I know it actually looks like that, and then you can you can see her abs if you yeah. watch her doing her planks. You can actually see a tiny little six pack. Tiny little six pack. Oh my gosh! But anyway, so so we figured we'll we'd we'd buy some um some blackout curtains and install that in her room and see if it would fix it. And mm-hmm. so we did that over the weekend. And now she's dialed it back to six o'clock, which I think I think I will settle for six o'clock. That's that's sort pretty of a, good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's best best case scenario. How about you? Oh, look, I mean, this week, uh, Layla did have a big milestone. She learned to master walking. So she's no longer just stumbling a few steps. She's properly walking everywhere now, which is fantastic. We're so excited. But at the same time, it's really opened our eyes to just how hazardous and dangerous a normal Mm. household can be. I mean, you know, we've done some of the kind of typical baby proofing of, you know, putting um, protective, uh, you know, bumpers around sharp corners and blocking power points. But, um, you know, the other day she was just playing around the dining table and pulled one of the dining chairs right on top (gasps) of her and it crashed onto her and gave her a big bump on the head which made me feel absolutely terrible and frankly I'm still working out how to uh how to you know mitigate that risk because what can you do glue the chair to the floor um but basically we're just trying to keep an eye on her constantly now which is harder than ever given that she is on the move (laughs) And they'll find they'll find a way. Like you know, no matter no matter what you do, you tie everything down. They'll still find a way to climb on top of something and then jump off. And you just yeah, can't. maybe yeah. maybe what we do is just you know go with the rely on the theory that she will learn by getting hurt. <laughs> exactly. She will learn something as dangerous by getting hurt. So trial and error. <laughs> exactly, and she won't do it again. Exactly. 
so this week we are talking about breastfeeding. So I think we were both really lucky to have been able to breastfeed and we both know what a privileged position that is because not everyone is able to breastfeed or continue breastfeeding. That's completely right and I want to start by making it clear that we both feel very strongly that fed is best and whatever decision you make in terms of feeding your baby, whether it's breast or formula or a combination of both, if it works for you and your baby, that's the right decision. Actually, my husband was fed soup as a baby. Soup? Soup, yep, yep, soup. The doctor (laughs) recommended it to his mum because he was getting too fat. So he said, oh, don't, you know, don't give him your milk anymore because that clearly has too many calories. Give him soup. Um, But but I don't Did it work? Did he slim down? Oh, look, he he slimmed down a bit. Maybe this is the start of the soup diet, you know, something to look into, but maybe not for babies. No, and I don't think anyone recommends feeding baby soup anymore. And we are not suggesting that anyone feed their baby soup. So please, please, please don't do that. No, (laughs) but I bet his mom would have been pretty relieved to, you know, at least get a break from breastfeeding because breastfeeding is really hard work. Absolutely. It is a lot of hard work. And when for you, Amy, I know that you started off with pumping because breastfeeding was so much hard work. Is that right? That's pretty much it. I mean, I you know, in, in the last episode, um, you'll have heard that my breastfeeding journey didn't get off to the smoothest start. Uh, my baby girl refused to latch. Uh, the few times she did, she made my nipples bleed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it just wasn't working out. And, um, you know, even with the help of lactation consultants, it, it wasn't working out. I started pumping and that worked really well. So I just kind of kept doing it. Um, and, you know, pumping is it has definitely quite a few pros to it. You know, it allows you to share the feeding with, with the daddy, with other family members. Um, and it also show, it also allows you to have some control over just how much your baby is feeding. So, you know, being kind of that overly anxious um, first time mom, I was recording like exactly how much she was having per meal down to the last meal and um and you know and that gave me some sense of control I'm like okay my baby's had this much you know then she she's fed I I feel reassured I I feel like you know um and especially with with the start that we had with jaundice when they were being underfed you know I Mm. think that just gave me a lot of comfort um, it, it was also quicker than breastfeeding um I don't know if you had the experience of you know, breastfeeding, especially when they're really, really young, they kind of just, uh, it can take up to an hour where it's absolutely starts and stops and starts and falling asleep, you know, having a little micro nap in between. (laughs) You're just kind of stuck there, you know, with a baby, not sure if they've actually finished feeding yet or not. So, um, so, so, so pumping and, and bottle feeding has that advantage. Um, and pumping also, I think, uh, made me, well, it, it um, increased my supply as well. Mm. So I was able to actually stock up quite a bit of extra milk in the freezer for it when it came to weaning. So, you know, um, I, I do, I mean, for those who either cannot breastfeed or find it easier to pump, 
I I fully encourage it. Although I have to say there were some downsides too as well. Uh, probably mm, the, the biggest one being, you know, uh, trying to wash and sterilize pump parts at 3am, wow. <laughs> ready well, for the next pump. Did you sterilize after every single pump? I did. I, I may have been a little bit paranoid in that regard. Um, <laughs> just a bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, I did end up getting a few extra parts, but um, mm. but still you end up with so many parts and bottles and nipples and mm. uh, it, 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 it can be quite annoying. Um, and the other thing was, uh, I think I trained my boobs to, you know, follow that pumping schedule too strictly mm. so that, you know, uh, every three hours I had to pump and, uh, you know, if, uh, 10, 20 minutes more and, and, and they would start hurting. And so it meant I couldn't really go out for, for long. Um, I couldn't exactly bring my pumps with me. So I had to rush, rush back home and start pumping. So, you know, pros and cons as with everything. Um I did end up uh, transitioning to breastfeeding, though. Uh, I think that was more of a result of just a, um, you know, desperation because we had planned <laughs> to fly home, um, go on this 12-hour flight plus a transit in, in between um, when Layla was about three months. Wow, that's very brave. Very, <sighs> very brave. It was you. Christmas, you know, and yep. the grandparents oh, – yeah. I, I, there was just too much pressure there to, to see, yeah, to see the baby. So we had to make the journey and I was just thinking forward to that flight at the time and thinking no way was I going to make it work with pumping. You know, just thinking about the, the, the parts that you'd have to bring with you, the sterilizing, the pumping on the plane and even finding mm. a PowerPoint on the plane to be able to pump. So, um... I, uh, you know, I, I started trying breastfeeding again. And I think, you know, maybe it was a combination of the boobs having kind of settled down a bit. Um, the, the baby, you know, also kind of getting into the hang of things a bit better. It actually worked the second time around, luckily. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I transitioned to exclusive breastfeeding around three months. And, and we went from there. So having said that, I just want to make the point, uh, you can actually exclusively pump and fly and do everything else because I, I did find these great resources online, you know, simple Google will, will um, get you there that shows you how to do all of those things. Um, there are some very brave mothers out there who have done all the trials and errors to show mm. you the right way. So, you know, so if you do, if you can, if you are pumping, you don't worry, you can still fly, you can still do all of those things. Um, so, yeah. That's amazing. I'm so impressed that you managed to do that for so long as well. And then still make that transition to breastfeeding you know, successfully. <laughs> I'm, I'm now very glad that, you know, I was pushed to do it because I think I'd pretty much given up on it. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Don't give up. And who knows? It could work two, three months down the line. Yeah, anything is possible. The baby is very adaptable as well to be able to, you know, it's not just one or the other like they absolutely yeah scare you into thinking so you know I've heard you know people talk about this nipple teat confusion and 
it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Babies, they're smarter than you give them credit for, you know? Um, give them a nipple, give them a teat, they go for a suck, they get milk out of it and they're happy. Or, you know, it takes maybe a few tries, but it's not impossible. I guess with breastfeeding too, there are pros and cons, right? You know, I, once I did start mm. breastfeeding, it definitely wasn't smooth sailing from there. Um, it was a very, very physically demanding thing, I found it. Uh, what, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you find it that way too? I mean, did you find any positions maybe helped you? Well, oh gosh, I tried every single position and there, there is an infinite amount of different positions that you could try. For me to begin with, I think I struggled a lot to find the right position because uh, like like we discussed last time, Gabby was jaundiced, which meant that she was really sleepy. So I spent a lot of time using cold, and this is going to sound very cruel in retrospect, but you know, I didn't come up with this idea on my own. The midwives encouraged us to do this. I had to use a cold washcloth and basically just make her really cold, really wet and uncomfortable <laughs> and tickle her feet. So can you, how hard, can you imagine how hard that was to do with a tiny baby? You're trying to balance that baby. You're trying to, you know, splash some water on her face and then oh, tickle boy. her feet so she doesn't fall so yeah it was very difficult and you know you're forced to develop all these muscles that you've previously haven't you know had to use before so I Mm. got one of those big breastfeeding pillows that are supposed to help you and it was I did find it quite helpful in the beginning because you can rest the baby on the pillow yes yeah. So with that, I did the cradle hold and the reverse cradle hold. I also tried the football hold, which apparently is very popular if you have twins because you hold the baby exactly like a football. So you sort of hold them like tucked into one elbow with the head coming under and up yeah. under one boob. Yeah. So you could do two babies at the same time if you were that way inclined that's amazing I have to say with those holds you know even just getting them into that position was challenging so I can't imagine challenging maneuvering two babies into the football oh my god mum yeah mums that have twins or mums that have triplets and more like I salute you that's Mm. yeah that's next level but so for me even just doing one baby I tried the lying down position as well and that's hard too because you have to it it's actually quite a maneuver to be able to lean on your side and somehow float your nipple down into the baby's mouth (laughs) and to begin with I also, I don't know about you, Amy, but I also had to squeeze my boob with the other hand to get the milk to actually flow out. Did you have to do that? Was it just me? Um, I have to say I I personally didn't have to do that, but I'm sure it wasn't just you. Oh, look, I think it's because Gabby was so lazy at the beginning. She would cry if the milk wasn't flowing at the optimum rate. (laughs) (laughs) You had to do all the work. 
I had to milk myself. I milked myself like a cow with the other hand. So yeah, so it was very difficult. And that's just positioning. So that that's one, you know, aspect of it that was very physically demanding. The other aspect is cluster feeding. So I don't know if you remember at sort of that five o'clock, you know, when the evening rolls around and they start cluster feeding and they would just be on and off and on and off and on and off all night and that was just so exhausting right must have been draining yeah yes yeah and Gabby had this thing where she when she fell into the pattern of the cluster feeding in the evenings so she would be crying and she would be angry and hungry and she couldn't sort of bring herself to be able to make an efficient latch and also calm herself down enough to be able to suck so we discovered that if we bounced on a yoga ball and fed her at the same time, she would feed a lot better. <laughs> so imagine me <laughs> bouncing on a yoga ball, holding the baby in reverse cradle and with the other hand squeezing the boo so that the milk squirted into the baby's mouth. And then sometimes I also had the hucker on the other boob. So it was, yeah, it was acrobatics. Angela, it was like an yeah, Olympic that sport. That sounds like it should, have, it should be an Olympic sport. <laughs> the other thing to talk about is timing, right? You know, there's how long to feed the baby. There is how long in between feeds. I mean, difference mm. between day and night. Let's, let's start talking about um, how long to feed the baby first, because at the very beginning, uh, you know, like I said, I found the breastfeeding could take up to an hour. It could be a lot less than that. How, how did yeah. you figure out, you know, when the baby was actually full? And, and, and just on that point, too, you know, that kind of leads to this talk about foremilk and hind milk, because, you know, mm. apparently there's this thing around, look, you should um, let the baby finish one side first before you switch them to the other side, because you want them to get both the foremilk and the hind milk. Can you, can you explain right. a little bit about what all that is? Oh, it's so confusing, isn't it? It's so super confusing. Yeah. And I find that you can't talk about four milk and high milk without, without also talking about demand feeding and schedule feeding. Mm. So so let me start off by explaining the four milk and high milk. So basically, for those that don't know, the milk that comes out initially from the boob is different from the milk that comes out at the very end of the boob as it's emptied. So the, the bit that comes out, if you look at it, it's very light milky a little bit of a blue tinge to it and it's got a very high water content so that's your four milk and then the hind milk is the milk that comes out at the end and that's where all the fat all the cholesterol and all of that good stuff so that apparently is the stuff that actually makes baby feel full so yeah so that's where the whole you know you have to drain the entire breast comes from um so they get to the hind milk but what you asked earlier about, you know, how do you know the baby is full? That can be so confusing. I think really the only objective signs that you can use because each baby is different. Some babies are going to be very effective and drain the boob in, you know, 20 minutes. Whereas at the beginning, some babies are going to take an hour. But the only objective signs I think you can use is, you know, how long until the next feed. So you feed them and then you get a gauge of how empty your boobs are, right? Yeah. And then if they 
they are screaming again for milk in an hour, then you think, oh, okay, well, they're probably, they probably didn't get enough last time. And then you feed them for a bit longer. Or you could look at how many wet nappies they do that day. And if they're dehydrated, they won't have as many wheeze. Mm. So really that's, yeah, that's, that's all, that's all I think. I can think of but you know as the baby gets older as they get the muscles in their mouth get better I know for me that Gabby got a lot more efficient she went from feeding for an hour at a time you know waking up falling asleep waking up falling yeah. asleep to now she only takes sort of five minutes mm. and like she's done she's she's like super super duper efficient now so it does get better for anyone that's struggling and you know sitting there chained to the couch thinking when is this going to end Um, that was me at the beginning and it definitely gets a lot better yes I think that's all of us and I think look you know at the end, Mm. end of the day the baby will let you know if they are properly hungry, right? So, you know, if maybe mm-hmm. they're not quite fed to the brim in one meal, that's not going to be the end of the world. Um, no. As you say, all those little signs you can try and tell, use to tell if they are feeding uh, enough in general or not, and, and maybe mm. adjust from there. Um, what what about this whole demand and schedule feeding you just mentioned? Mm. What What's all of that about? Wow. So demand feeding and schedule feeding, that is one good way to start a fight because I find that parents, are, it's, it's one of those things, it's like sleep training and not sleep training. It's one of those <laughs> topics I think that gets that gets people very fired up. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I did do a little bit of both. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think there's a, a right or a wrong answer, but basically, I don't know if you've heard of those books, Amy. There's a really famous one by Gina Ford called the Contented Baby Book, and then there's the Australian version by a lady named Tizzy Hall. But basically, it the books are schedule feeding books and schedule sleeping books, and they detail your day out to the minute. So it will say at 6.45, feed your baby 60 meals, or feed your baby, I think it said express out 60 meals from the left boob, and then feed your baby for 20 minutes on the right boob, and then move to the left boob and feed for 10 minutes on the left boob. So it was very, very specific. Um, And obviously, I was naturally inclined to, to start with that at the beginning but I quickly realized that it was it was much too difficult and there was no way that Gabby was going to feed for 20 minutes exactly on the right boob. I mean that just sounds Um, sorry but that sounds ridiculous to me because you know how can you (laughs) apply the exact same schedule down or you know um, plan down to the last meal or minute for for every baby Well, look, I think for some people it works very well Mm. because it does give you some guidelines to work around. And I don't think you have to follow it exactly to the letter. You can probably use it as a sounding board and use it as a guide and then Uh, maybe tweak it and optimize it for your baby. But you know how confusing it is at the beginning, right? And, you know, we we sort of struggled with how long do we feed? You know, what's, what's the right amount? Do I feed from the left boob or the right? 
right boob. So it, it sort of it, it does help in that regard. Mm. Um, and also it helps you understand a bit about the foremilk and the hind milk because on the other side of the coin you've got demand feeding. And demand feeding is where you read your baby's cues. So, you know, say if baby cries or they, they clench their little fists and they put their fingers in your mouth and you think, oh, okay, these are hunger cues. I'll feed baby now. But the problem with, at least for me, the problem with reading baby's cues and demand feeding based on that is that hunger cues are very similar to sleepy cues. Mm. And, and you know, and sometimes the baby will shake her little fists and she'll put something in her mouth. But like, like who knows? Is she hungry? Is she tired? And then what ends up happening is that for me, I would just feed her. And then 20 minutes later, she's, you know, shaking her fists at me again. So I feed her again. And then that way you end up with a lot of little doses of milk and you end up giving them a lot of foremilk. And you never really get to the hind milk because they have a little bit, they're sort of full and then you stop. And if you end up giving too much for milk, then baby ends up getting, the baby's tummies end up getting upset and they get too much lactose Mm -hmm. and they get like flatulence and they get diarrhea. They can get very, very uncomfortable. So for me, I had to find the right balance between having a little bit of a schedule and also being able to adapt that to the baby and and to the day. So yeah, I don't think there's a right answer here, is there? Sounds like I think you, you know, that's the way to go is to find that right balance, right? Between the two extremes, Mm. you know, having some kind of a framework around it, but then also Um, listening to your own body, to your baby's um, cues and and finding that, yeah, finding what works for you and your baby. And that could be somewhere along that trajectory um, mm. and it might be somewhere different for everyone. Exactly. And I think that's sort of what we're trying to say with this, with the podcast is that there's no right way everyone is different every baby is different and as long as you know as long as it works for you then that is the right way and you should plug on exactly so (laughs) yeah so talking about emptying the boob I think we can't talk about that without talking about block ducks oh boy do not remind me those are (laughs) some of the most horrible memories I have (laughs) Of the of the initial few w- months. Worse than childbirth? You know what? I may hmm. actually have to say yes, because there is no epidural for block ducks. <laughs> and there needs to be, because that's how much it hurts. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, I got block, du- block ducks uh, uh, quite a few times. And the first time, hmm. you know, I it was, it was very early on. Um, I was still coming to terms with my new body, my new humongous grapefruit-like boobs, <laughs> and um, and you That's know, true. yeah, and That's I felt so these true. lumps, and they were there for like a couple of days, and I was like, okay, you know, I'll just maybe massage them, and then hopefully they'll go away. They didn't, and um, and I had one of my regular checkups, um, where I went back to my obstetrician, and she saw, and she was like, oh no. 
she's like, these are going to become, um, these are going to lead to mastitis if you don't get those blood ducts mm. cleared straight away. So she um, told me to go to a lactation consultant and what followed was probably the most painful 10 minutes of my life where <laughs> her way of unblocking those ducts were basically to just jam her fingers um, you know, on, on them to just press them down as hard as she possibly could, um, kind of in the direction of the nipple to try and, you know, kind of clear them. And, oh, and God. it was, I mean, it, it was amazing watching how it works because when she did it at the right angle, um, I would just squirt milk like a, like a tap being turned <laughs> on. It was absolutely just the, the most kind of, ridiculous image but um it worked it was extremely painful and I was left with these bruises on my breast and she told oh. me you know next time um one realize earlier on that these are blocked ducts and try to clear them um because the, the 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 longer you leave them the harder it is to clear them and secondly mm. to try and get someone else to help you because you just will not uh, give yourself that much pain. You know, you physically will not allow yourself to. You need wow. someone else to, yeah, to kind of. <laughs> um, this this lactation consultant is, she she just. I think she <laughs> doesn't mince school. her words. Yeah, does she? no, no, yeah. she she knows how to get things done, and and yeah, um, doesn't matter. Not afraid to inflict pain. Absolutely not. So those were, yeah, uh, I think, you know, with that experience in mind, I was like, I was, I was very diligent from then on. And, and, you know, I've had, I have worked up a few tips. I don't know, Angela, if, if you've used those mm. same um, kind of measures, but as soon as you do feel a blocked duct coming on, have a hot shower and try and massage your boobs. That's one way. But I think um, if you're maybe a bit beyond that stage, then another way is to mm -hmm. pump. And as you're pumping, kind of um, move your fingers down the blocked yes. part, down the lump, and try and kind of push it down into the, the you know, yep. the pump. Yep. And suction of the pump will sometimes help clear it as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, definitely do everything else possible <laughs> before you try the way that the lactation consultant did. And how about you, Angela? You you actually got mastitis, didn't you? How was that? Yeah, well, look, I, I probably wasn't as switched on as you were. I didn't notice I had blocked ducts. And then one day I got this giant red red patch on my boob and I poked it and I was like, oh, that's a bit hard. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> was it painful? Yeah, it was painful. And then I was like, oh, it'll it'll go away. So I left it for, you know, for a couple of hours. And mastitis, I should have known this, you know, doing doing what I do for work. But I'm a terrible patient, as we've established. So, you know, after a few hours, it just got worse. And you start getting these chills and fevers and muscle ache. Basically, it just feels like the worst flu you've ever had you know oh. you, you get all the flu-like symptoms um and I, I remember I was standing in the shower and I was just shivering and I had and I had a fever so I wouldn't recommend leaving it that long <laughs> if you have a lump on your boob you're breastfeeding and it's sore 
go see a doctor, get some antibiotics, you know, have a hot shower, do what Amy suggested, but do not leave it, you know, mm. to, to sit there for more than six hours because it, it is not a nice experience to get mastitis. Um, Absolutely would, not. Would not recommend. So given how, how painful the block ducks were, Amy, were you glad when it came time to win? Look, to be completely honest, no. I mean, the thought of no longer breastfeeding my baby actually made me really, really sad. Um, mm. It is a beautiful journey and a beautiful experience, but I was going, uh, I was going back to work full time. It was a very kind of high pressure environment, and I just felt like I, you know, I had to wean. Um, so. I started the process at least a month beforehand and I'm glad I did because again with the blot ducks experience I did not you know I want to do all things to to try and avoid that again and um and it worked quite well for me I have to say it was a combination of uh expressing less and longer in between so um by then I had gone back to partially pumping and um, I think that really helped in that, you know, you could time it exactly how long you're pumping each time. So you can just reduce that time by say a minute each time um, mm. and gradually cut down the time as you go. Um, also, I think, you know, that's probably a necessary thing to try and get Layla back to accepting the bottle. So you yeah. know, worked both ways. Was that hard? Did she did she just pick up the bottle straight away, or did you have to fight her a little Look, bit? It was slightly harder than when we went from the bottle to the nipple the first time round. I think mm. because she was a bit older, you know, she noticed the difference a little bit more. Um, but it didn't take longer than say a week. Mm. Um, and and yeah, I so I took it slowly. Um, and by the time I went back to work, I hadn't actually fully weaned. I was down to two feeds a day, once in the morning and once at night. So I could avoid pumping during the day. And boy, I, if, you know, I had the benefit of hindsight, I would have just left it at that because then COVID hit, mm. you know, about a month after I did start work and, um, and, you know, there, there was no need to wean at all but um but but no um I think about a couple of weeks into um starting back at work I had completely weaned and uh, yeah yeah look you know I think looking back I I do have some regrets about weaning um I I do wish part of me wish that I have kept going because it is possible to pump at work and I really do salute those mothers who do. Um, it is a lot mm -hmm. of hassle. You have to bring all these parts with you. You know, you have to think about storage. You have to schedule your pumps, pumping sessions in, but it is doable. And I found it daunting. I should have maybe just powered through. Um, no, no, I don't <laughs> want you to feel guilty about that because we ha we carry so much guilt as mothers, don't we? Yeah. And yeah, and you have to go back to work and it's, it's just so hard to be pumping three times a day what you are. So do not feel guilty about that. No, you're right. Your, 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 girl, you're is, completely your girl right. was beautiful <laughs> and she was, she was fed. She yes. didn't go hungry. She was fed while you were at work. So everyone is happy. You're, you're completely right. I'm going to take 
my own lesson, you know, that I'm preaching. And, and yes, that, that is completely true. And, and you know what? I'm sure we can fill an entire episode talking about the ways that, you know, things could be made easier for, for mothers mm. who are working and for mothers who, you know, want a life other than just being a mother. But anyway, let's not go down that rabbit hole. We will cover that in another episode. Back to breastfeeding. I think to sum things up, it is beautiful, but it is not necessarily easy. And if it goes well for you, we are so happy for you. But if you're struggling, know that you are not alone. So the last thing you need is to place more stress or pressure on yourself. Go with what works for you and what keeps your baby fed. Exclusively breastfed, express breast milk, exclusive pumping formula, a bit of all the above. It's all good. Um, Maybe just don't feed your baby soup. (laughs) And that's all we have time for. So thank you so much for joining us. We hope you had a good time. And remember, no one really knows what they're doing. We're all figuring it out as we go along, and that's okay. Apparently Not was made by us, Angela and Amy, from our living rooms after our babies have gone to sleep. Um, Please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a comment, or email us. You can find the address in our show notes, and we would really, really love to hear from you. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. The content of this podcast reflects our personal experiences and opinions only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical or legal advice. If you have any concerns about you or your baby's health, please seek professional medical advice from a qualified healthcare provider.